there is no perfect ministry. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and get that out of the way. Yeah. Anybody that serves in any senior leader role, it doesn't matter if you're a pastor, prophet, evangelist, teacher, these are servant roles. This is not a role of superiority. It's not a role of um, I'm here and you're on the bottom. No, this is actually foundational roles. It's reversed. It's reversed. So it took me learning over the years and a great deal of counseling. Yeah. Thank God for my therapist. You the real MVP <laughs> to really see people from that these are the Lord's children and they're given great responsibility and not everybody that's given great responsibility is trained and equipped to handle great responsibility. The responsibility was never supposed to be given to one. It's supposed to be given to all. But what about the leaders who say, if I don't do it, it won't be done right? That's pride. That's pride. That is pride. The reality of it is we need counseling. We got soul wounds. Wait. What up, y'all? I'm Rajay, and this is another episode of the RXS Podcast, and we got Kira Young in the building. What's goody? Hey, 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 everybody. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, thank you for being here. How's life? Oh, life is life, you know. Yeah. Life is life. Life be life, and that's what you they say know, now. You know, life and responsibilities and married life and kids and all the things. That's a lot of stuff at one time. It is, but, you know. Like, what is your um, method to the madness of doing it without going crazy? Or do you be going crazy sometimes? <laughs> um, I pray, sit down, I have an entire set, and woosah, so you don't flip out. There's no reason to flip out if you don't kind of get your mind settled and kind of get a handle on your emotions so that you don't flip out unnecessarily. Wow. Do you ever take a long time? So, I'm kind of like introverted extroverted depending on the moment so for me it's important that i have a moment to self-regulate so when i'm coming in i I used to sit in the car all the time before i came in the house (laughs) i need sanctuary so uh my husband recognized that and shout out to stace yeah um he got me our sunroom created for to be my like little oasis so he understands how important it is for me to have a moment to decompress recalibrate and then go back into everything kind of full force so he put a room in the house so you wouldn't have to sit in the car Bebos. yes on, he Stacey. did come on babe. he did that let's go mm-hmm. he did and like what is your process like when you're in that room well a few things sometimes it might be just looking at vegging out on videos um, most of the time it's just really sitting in a peaceful place. Like I can't even explain it. It's, it feels like an entirely separate environment from the rest of my house. So oftentimes when people come over, they're like, oh, 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 yeah, this is peaceful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I can, and then they start communicating. They start, wow. um, opening up, which is the most surprising part about it. They're like, okay, can I talk to you? Um, oh sure by all means so um, so are you that person to people or for people oftentimes i am Mm. i feel like pastorship aside (laughs) i feel like the counselor (laughs) Mm. or the community mama if you will um and oftentimes people like i just know why i don't know why i just feel comfortable talking to you 
And I'm like, okay, Lord, well, what is it that you want me to say to this individual person? You know, I, you're going to have to give me your counsel to get to them. Um, and then we just kind of go from there. Has that always been the case? Have you always kind of been like that person for people around you? For the most part, yeah. When did it start? Probably when I was a kid. By nature, I'm kind of like, my husband kind of caught on to that. And my daughter, Michaela, is very much like this. I am the defender. Mm. <laughs> um, and I always find myself trying to ensure that the other party is heard. So you're a good listener. Yeah. Because sometimes it's hard to be a good listener. I ain't gonna lie. So the fact that you are a good listener by nature is a blessing from God. It is. It is. It is. Does that help you in life? Um, I've had to learn how to do even more over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes it's easy to jump into let's fix the situation mode or let's give the counsel mode that you kind of miss key elements. Oh. So I think that what I've had to do is just kind of take a step back to allow the person to kind of get whatever it is out of their system. And then I'm like, okay, well, let's unpack that piece by piece by piece. Mm, so you're saying in the past, sometimes you were quick to get to the solution. Sometimes in some instances. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause if you like, if you want people to be better or feel better because you have that heart for them, you're ready to jump to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which sometimes can be, Sometimes it's frustrating if it's a repeat person dealing with certain situations and circumstances and I'm just kind of like, you know, right. we kind of revisited this already. <sighs> yeah. I'm going to oh. need you to listen next time. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Let's talk about that. Mm. When you're in relationships or friendships or covenants with people who like you kind of counsel in a way, whether it is formally or informal. The repeat thing can be crazy because it's like on one hand, it's like, listen, now, this is the fifth time. <laughs> and then, But on the other hand, it's like, well. More grace, Lord, more grace. Uh, I think for me, what it takes, it, interesting, we're going into this conversation. It really takes um, the reason why I have to do my thing to ensure that I'm recalibrated and I really have my emotions in check is because I often have to approach people from the heart of the father. Mm-hmm. If I don't do that, then I'm going to misjudge the situation too quickly, even if it's just a situation that they're constantly kind of getting into a cycle. Cycles take time to break. Yeah, they do. We, we expect deliverance and things to be broken like that. And for some people, it's the initial step. The remaining part of that is the council. It is that discipleship that kind of gets them to a place where they start recognizing, hey, I keep running into this wall and don't feel good. Let me let me go back and hear what that was what I had heard the first time and follow through with what was said. Yes, because they may they may only hear this piece this time and then they do it again and then they hear the next piece that time. Yeah, because we're. The Lord through the word always calls us dear children, right? Yeah. We don't ever think that as big grown ages as we are, that we ever have to go through the process of learning um, naturally and spiritually anything. Yeah. So we still big kids. So we're big kids, yeah. essentially. And so we get to a place of maturity where we do that stuff less and we start operating from a place of maturity where it becomes less of a trip up for us. Yes. So when you go into this, um, into your space, what I heard you say is... You take the time to to like get yourself in check and say, all right, Kira, let's get out of the way. Let's go in here. 
That's heavy. Because to be a mother or a wife or a counselor to friends or family, like you can judge from your humanity if you're not careful. Because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. what we'll naturally mm-hmm. do. Like, mm-hmm. listen, uh, we talked about this last week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when, and especially if you start matriculating and elevating in ministry and you start taking on more responsibility, it's so easy to have this cookie cutter approach to every individual person. And you can take that, whatever that circumstance or situation or conversation is into your person, right? That starts becoming a part of your personality and it can warp you if you don't give your, yourself space and time to allow God to handle and carry the burden that's not really yours. You're just serving as a vessel to release whatever that is that person needs. So first of all, I know that was a lot. <laughs> no, first of all, that was heavy. But but I want to ask you. So like, what is your role in ministry now? Well, let's see. Um, earlier this year, my husband and I were ordained as pastors. Whoa. OK. So that's a whole it's it's one thing to do it without thinking. It's another thing to be ordained and mantled for something that God already equipped you to do. Did you see that coming? Yes. Whoa, so you already kind of knew? Well, it's God had already been preparing our heart, <laughs> funny thing is, um, for the assignment. So it's kind of like it was just not necessarily the icing on the cake, if you will. It was more or less like, hey, you guys have already been this. However, this is the additional part of your purpose and where God is taking you forward. So y'all were already like... Y'all already had that role without the title. Mm-hmm. And then the title was attached mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. So then like how much did who you were and how you were operating, how much did it change after getting the title? I'm not sure that it necessarily changed. It just, it was a redressing. Mm. Okay. Let's sit in that for a second. <laughs> yeah, that's real though. It was a redressing. And because we had been so... um. I guess I'll take it personal instead of saying we because we are one. But because I had always been in a role of service, Mm -hmm. it took um, coming into a different mindset shift of serving in a leadership capacity. Um, Not that we serve as senior leaders because we definitely serve on a team of pastors, but taking on a new responsibility and kind of allowing the leader to come forward and not always going about it from a server perspective. Oh, yeah, because mm, in the position where you're in a pastoral role, you got to like be like, all right, because mm-hmm. it, oh, that's good, because you can be doing a disservice to the organization if you're chilling, mm-hmm. but you you may want to naturally chill just to well, whatever probably, y'all need me to do, right. or I'm here if you need, but right. then it's like, no, this is what needs to happen. Like, no, like <laughs> we have we have apostles that serve on the team that are like, no, nah, Kira, I need you to actually come and pray, pray with me. <laughs> <laughs> Come here. Yeah. And and you have to shift out of that. Oh, I'm always at not necessarily a beck and call as if it's a bad thing. I'm just here to offer support. Mm. And they're like, no, I need you to be a pillar right now. Yes. So there's a difference in assisting mm-hmm. and leading. Mm-hmm. Oh. But they go hand in hand. Yes. Whoever's the whoever wants to be the greatest among you should be the least. But oftentimes when you're always seeing yourself as the least or serving in a role of being least is very easy to not see yourself in a position of greatness because you're developing a different mindset now guys like hey 
I want you to keep the heart of service and be a servant, but, but not really, think of yourself as less yes, than. Yes, yes, yes. <clears throat> and that's the challenge because oftentimes we, anybody that serves in any senior leader role, it doesn't matter if you're a pastor, prophet, evangelist, teacher, whatever yeah. you are in administration, everybody should on a very basic base level. These are servant roles. This is not a role of superiority. It's not a role of um, I'm here and you're on the bottom. No, this is actually foundational roles. It's reversed. It's reversed. So okay, mm. this is going to be a whole different conversation. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Well, we're here. Yes. Um, oftentimes, unfortunately, a lot of leaders forget that part of it, or maybe they're not trained and equipped to see themselves as servants because they're always looking to be served instead of serving. Yeah. Now, this is a double edged sword because I've seen leaders do this very beautifully and very, very amazingly. Um, and then I've also seen leaders that take on the burden and responsibilities all on their own, that the help that is assigned to help assist them so they can ha not have that weight often is mismanaged. Yeah. And where they can offer counsel and grace because the Lord has really put those words in their mouth on natural and spiritual things to help them be great. They often become afraid because now I have to take a step back to let you to step up. Yeah. And uh, okay, so let's talk about this because uh, this is a good thing to talk about. In most situations where I've been a part of ministries where the pastor did everything. Mm -hmm. And because I was close, it's one particular person in mind that I can think of. And because I was close to them, like really, really close, I could see. Mm, I could see that it was a mask for insecurity. Mm -hmm. So it's like mm -hmm. I got to do, 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 mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. On the church front mm -hmm. so I don't have to feel mm -hmm. on the mm -hmm. other front. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. have you ever seen that before? <laughs> let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> we in here. So I've had the opportunity of serving in different ministries. Mm -hmm. um, and I've seen things on the far end of the extreme and then I've seen things on the very good end. Mm -hmm. um, I, I say that preference to say that there is no perfect ministry. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and get that out of the way. Yeah. Um, you're different you're dealing with people. And I've it took me learning over the years and a great deal of counseling. Yeah. Thank God for my therapist. <laughs> you you the real MVP <laughs> to really see people from um that these are the Lord's children and they're given great responsibility. And not everybody that's given great responsibility is trained and equipped to handle great responsibility. Yeah. So even in the ministry that my husband and I serve now, Groundbreak is Apostle Sherry. Hey! Let's go. Um, she really had to really show us what leadership looked like and um, how everybody as a whole should serve together collectively so that the responsibility doesn't become a one-man show. That's good. One-man show often will always lead to dysfunction, cultish behavior, patterns, habits, abuse, you name it. Yes. Because Lord. the responsibility was never supposed to be given to one. It's supposed to be given to all. Yes. And if we're going to go about leading and serving God's people as a whole, people can take responsibility when they know they're going to be postured and positioned to do what they're called to do. So my burden <laughs> yeah. is, is always seeing leaders always taking on this unnecessary weight and burden when they just have to share the weight. This is what Jethro told Moses, right? 
Why you got these all these people coming to you like this? You're going to wear the people out and you're going to wear yourself out. Delegate. Yeah. Raise up men from the tribes. Put your spirit on them so they can share the responsibilities. Some can only handle a few. Some can maybe handle tens, twenties, hundreds, whatever their capacity is. Give them responsibility. So the main focus comes in is when it's life or death scenarios or situations or stuff that you're supposed to handle. You won't have to get out of place because your purpose really is to minister to God and his word and then give it to the people and your leaders so they can carry out the responsibility. But what about the leaders who say, if I don't do it, it won't be done right? That's pride. That's pride. That is pride. <laughs> pride pride destroys everything mm. and unfortunately a lot of leaders are stuck in pride man maybe it's not even something that they plan to do it just comes i feel like i gotta carry it all i feel like i gotta do it all i don't i want people to help me but they're not gonna do it my way but then you rob people of the opportunity of growing in their responsibility it's the parent that carries the weight of everything and they have a spouse, but they never delegate. It's the it's the business leader that is the CEO that has people that are equipped to handle stuff, but do it all and will never give them. You hired them to help you. Yes. Hey, I hired you because I need help. But then you never enlist the help. But you're your man. Mm. Or, you, or you end up saying I always got to do everything. You really <laughs> didn't have to. You just didn't solicit the help that you had available to you. We do this to the Holy Spirit all the time. Mm, talk about it, please. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is the one that's supposed to show us how to do everything that we need so that we'll be the most effective. We think that I get saved and that's it and I don't really need you. You're just there. You're, and we treat him as an it. We treat him as an object and, mm -hmm. and we disrespect him so, so often. And we see it in how even leadership is done. Not just limited to church. Let me go ahead and say that. Yeah. But we say that in every area of our lives. So when it's time for, um, for us to serve and counsel or when people need to be raised up, we have a hard time letting go. When it's time for people to be equipped, we have a hard time releasing them to do what God asked them to do because the reality of it is we need counseling. Facts. We got soul wounds. Wait. If you can't hold your mule, <laughs> don't give it to somebody that don't deserve it now. Please don't. You don't know he out here sleeping with everybody. Don't do it. And you gonna do it cause it feel good. Why cause it got big thing thing or something? That ain't, that ain't. You know how many men folk around here? Never mind. I'm just. saying, there's plenty of fishies in the sea. If you enjoyed this clip of Be For Real, you can watch the full video. Just head over to RXS Entertainment YouTube channel. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just type in B-E-F-U-H-R-E-A-L period. Soul wounds. Please explain. <laughs> um, this is not necessarily my revelation, Um this is something that we have been been taught um, in our ministry. And, and I think that um, a lot of therapists 
will probably agree in this, is that anybody that serves in any leadership function, be it worship leader, be it a musician, be it a pastor, apostle, whatever your role and assignment is, even a business owner, um, we often get stagnant and stuck because our soul is wounded. So you can get sheep bites, you can get crushed by leadership, you can get devastated and damaged, but you keep serving. Hmm. And you're serving cut up, or you're serving bleeding out, or you're serving bitter, or you're serving frustrated and angry, or you're serving with resentment, but you're serving um, deformed, or you're serving, um, oh, how do I say this? You're serving not at full capacity. Yes. Because you have areas that you didn't allow the Lord to heal and to mend. But you kept going. You kept moving. You kept doing. If I just keep doing, I can overlook the fact that I'm at hurt. I'm, I can overlook the fact that I'm angry. I can look overlook the fact that I'm frustrated because I don't know anything else but to serve. And and you take on Martha's position, getting mad and upset at Mary because Mary was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to leave that to the side and sit with Jesus. Mm. I'm going to lay that to the side and go get some counseling because this is really hard and difficult. So sometimes when we're in those positions, it's best to stop. It is best to stop. Mm. It is best to take a break. And I don't know that we ever, especially in the, and I could say this, especially in the black community, let's just be real clear here, but I'm learning this across the board, but especially in the black community, we think that breaks make us weak. Just like we think emotions make us weak. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. We don't even grieve when people leave. We barely give ourselves permission to grieve when people that we love die. Because mm. that's weak. Because it's weak. Get up, move on, get over it. Yep. What's next? And it's wrong. And I know there are so many different reasons as to why we understand how things have worked for our community and just across the board. But we just don't know how to allow ourselves to be ministered to. Yeah. Yeah. So if I trace back to even a room that my husband created for me. Right. Mm -hmm. And how many people come in and they just immediately feel like they can release something that they've never been able to do. It's because you don't give yourself time to to be in a safe space. So before you took on the role of a pastor, um, were, well, I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask anyway to have the conversation. <laughs> before you took on the role of a pastor, you were, in, you were in and are in counseling. Yes. How long have you been in counseling? Let's see. Shout out to my job that gives us free benefits to free therapy. Hallelujah. Let's go. Um, I I had done it for let's see, maybe about two years actually. Ooh, yeah. And what made you go to counseling in the first place? The Holy Spirit. Okay, go okay. sit your tail in some seat and have a sat and unpack. Whoa, was there an incident, a situation, a moment that made it be like, okay, girl? It was the loss of a loved one, and it was a transition of even my job and my assignment at my job. And I remember saying that I'm coming here because I want to unpack this stuff and I have these specific things happening. And I'm, it's not like I'm unfamiliar with therapy because I understand it works wonders. It's great. But as I went through therapy, my therapist made me go back to 2020. She said, no, 
let's not gloss over this, Kira. We need to go back three years. And in fact, let's go all the way back to 2020 when all of these changes took place and happened. And let's talk through these traumatic experiences. Let's go. And I was like, wait a minute, ma'am. I didn't. Ooh, you <laughs> I was, weren't trying to, you were trying to I was, get. I thought I was it. good, but I wasn't ready for that. She said, you've been dealing with a series of transitions and a series of changes. You've been dealing with traumatic experiences. You've just been in survival mode. And this is where a lot of you leaders are. You're just in survival mode. And when she said that, I said, what do you mean by that? She said, anytime you have a moment to sit back and rest, you don't know how to handle rest. Now, God calls us that we're supposed to have a Sabbath rest, but we never, ever, ever really know what that looks like. We don't even know how to take a break. Facts on facts on facts. We don't know how to relax. How did you take that? <laughs> First off, it was a blow. I was like, oh, <laughs> say it ain't so. <laughs> yeah. And I had to kind of really kind of come to terms with the information that she was given. And we really had to unpack it piece by piece and really go through, hey, let's talk about going through transitions of churches or let's talk about transitions of jobs or let's talk about the lack of counsel here or the lack of training here. And it's never-ending feeling of always having to be thrown out to the wolves and figure it out without appropriate gods to help and lead you through these things. So you've just been trying to survive traumatic experiences and you've not been able to have the um, the space and time to breathe and adjust and even grieve. Yeah. Because, okay, okay. This is good because at the end of the day, even in transition, when you're going from one thing to another, it's the loss of the thing you're leaving. It is. It that's, is. <sighs> it is. And sometimes we just move from one thing to another. And we don't ever think and we think that it's weird or it's because it makes us uncomfortable to say that I'm actually hurting that 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 season ended the way that it did. Yeah. I'm actually hurting the fact that I have to keep going through this specific thing. And it feels unending. I'm just in a new place. Mm. So how do I have a safe space? Wait, wait, go back. So you're, so you're transitioning to another, to another place, but in one sense, but in another sense, you're still in the same place. Yeah. Your heart's still there. Your emotions are still there. Your mind is still there, even though your body changed into a whole totally different everything. So you sit down with your therapist and she like, or he like, you ain't deal with that. Or now that you have time to deal with it, let's sit in this. Oh, because we don't like we don't like to do that. Let's sit. I'm giving you permission to sit in this. And when and when she said that, I broke. <laughs> that was a whole different. That was a whole different. It was a deeper cry. And I was like, she said, explain these emotions. She said, I just never felt safe enough to sit. I just had to keep going and keep moving, move through pain, move through traumatic experiences and and just keep going at the expense of other people's feelings that I neglected my own. I neglected the anger and the frustration that was right and righteous because somebody didn't feel comfortable with the fact that they may have had to be be accountable for the, the part that they played, played in how I, in how I felt. Oh. So I was like, you know what? You know. Let me not make you feel uncomfortable and let me shelve this. I'm going to just chalk it. I'm going to just chuck it up to ministry. I'm going to just chuck it up to transition. I'm going to just chuck it up to this. And 
When God gave me space to say, no, I don't want you to check it up. I need you to come back with me, come away with me by way of this counselor and let's debrief. And let me open up your heart because I need to heal those wounds. I need to bind up those broken areas. I need to restore your soul. Because if you're going to be a restorer and if you're going to be a safe place for others, then you need to have first dibs on this. And that's the other part, as much as we harp on deliverance, that's the other part of deliverance that we don't like because now we have to begin to deal with and unpack these pieces and get away with the Lord so he can help us deal with those areas. Which goes back to your point of why people in leadership need counsel. They do. Because it's like you have to unpack so that you can lead well. And recover well. One of the most powerful things my apostle says, she said, you know, you know, we make comments about leaders bleeding everywhere. She said, but sometimes you have to bleed in order to heal. And we don't like that because it's nasty. Number one, it might smell bad. Number two, and it may require a lot of cleanup. Because any any professional person in a doctor or a nurse or anybody in the medical field knows that 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 level of care requires that things drain. Sometimes you might have to have a surgical procedure done to get the infection out. Sometimes they might have to go in deeper and you might have to sit and you might have to recover and you might have to go through levels of some type of physical therapy in order to get to a place of stability. And we have to we have to be okay with emotional and spiritual processes looking the same way. They have we have been so inundated with perfection and looking the part that we're not the part. So when we're not the part, those masks and those fronts begin to crumble and they begin to corrode and they begin to to dissipate and and bust and the real raw you is exposed now because we're so unspiritual and so immature we don't know how to cover and restore so while people are in that broken fracture state it ain't giving excuse for sin let me just go about that right there we don't know how to restore and we don't know how to cover because we've never seen that happen facts oh they get caught in something let me expose it because this these people ain't about nothing anyway but the ones that are spiritual and mature should be able to restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Lest you yourself get caught. Facts. Up in this stuff. Facts. And worse. Mm. We don't know how to extend mercy. So, so on the other end of it, when we are people around a person that is going through that process, it is our responsibility to take the stance of meekness. Yeah. To restore them. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to. We just don't ever do it. Why not? Because we're selfish oh. and proud. It's it. I don't know what it is about human nature that it they it makes a person feel good about the downfall of another, and why that has become the heart posture of the believer. Cause if you worse off than me, maybe I ain't so bad. But that's irresponsible because it reflects that your heart is nasty. Oh. I can tell how much mercy and grace you have by how you treat others caught in in 
the grossest offenses. It's our responsibility to be dear children and imitate the father and that he covers and that he restores and he walks with us because he do it every day. Every single day, every single day, he give us brand new mercy because he know we are hard headed. Facts on facts on facts. <laughs> but yeah, he's also our safe place. He is our strong tower. He is our safe rescue refuge. And we always are able to run to him and go to him in our time of need. And we're always going to receive mercy. And when we ask for wisdom, look, I know I messed up. Help me if we're sincere. We should have that same heart and desire for other people. And it does take a um, strong level of humility and empathy and sympathy for and people. And truth. Tell the truth in love. Like, okay, I'm going to give you truth. You might not like it. I am that person. Okay, okay. You, okay. <laughs> my husband will tell you. My friends will tell you. Like, Kira is the one that will give it to you raw and straight. Yeah. But I'm going to give it to you in love. And then I'm going to walk with you through the journey. I'm, I'm not a person that's going to leave anybody behind. If I'm gonna be a general in the spirit, I'm I am not leaving not one soldier behind, not on my watch. That's that I am my brother and my sister's keeper. Yeah. And if you have a, if you're struggling, hey, let's go through it. Let's talk about it. We're gonna pray about it. We probably gonna do some fasting. Yeah. <laughs> you might need to go through some series of deliverances, and I got my oil, my bucket ready. But whatever it takes to get you to the place of stability. Not for you to serve in a role in a church or a business, but so that you can keep your posture and your heart right before the Father. That's the ultimate goal. Yeah. Because all that aside, that is the end game. And it should be the game game for every person. Every person should desire to be a safe place for others to lay down their armor. Shout out Apostle Jeffrey Man for that. Um, to lay down their burdens. Because our responsibility to one another is to carry the burdens of one another. Yes. For some reason, we don't ever do that and maybe that goes from the top i'm afraid to let somebody else carry my burdens because i think it's only my job who i've been taught and told that it's my responsibility only that ain't kingdom mm. that's religion and tradition but it definitely ain't the kingdom you will wear yourself out and so many people die early because they do that and they live in that mm. and then a lot i've seen a lot of um people in leadership like feel like they are not um, effective if they don't stay in performance mode. No. Mm -mm. I, and I had to learn that just even up to this point recently, I'm transitioning from one ministry to a new ministry of taking a step back and then it exposed all of the areas that were really wrong. It immediately exposed, oh, I need to heal. Whoa. Because it's one thing that when you get in a safe, um, clean, clear environment, that everything becomes very apparent, especially when the presence of the Lord is there. You really feel naked <laughs> yeah. and exposed, but it it should be a moment of introspection. You're like, okay, well, while I'm in this place, heal, Lord. While I'm in this space, help me to recover, God. I've lost a lot, and I need a lot of recovery in this moment. So I'm going to take my time. I don't have to prophesy, preach, teach, nothing, sing, none of that stuff. I'm just giving myself over to just be your daughter. Whoa. To just be your child. So when you transitioned to the new ministry, that's where you were. Mm -hmm. And then how long was it before it's like, all right, Kira, time to be a pastor now? <laughs> well, um, meeting with our leaders, they just gave us space and time. And I purposely took my time. Um, because I wanted the opportunity of finally being able to be ministered to and not always having to minister to others. 
And I I was like, I told my I ain't doing nothing. And my even my sister in law, my sis Bash, I'm not gonna be selfish because y'all do a lot and I'ma just let you just breathe. But if you could help me every now and then, that would be great. And it it was that. And I took my step back and I allowed the Lord to do all the things that he needed to do. And right in between all of that is when I was able to receive the counseling Mm. and to allow God to repair all of those spaces and places that I hadn't known had been existing for years to give me time to do all of the things that he wanted to do in my heart so that when I'm at the place where he's like, all right, let's get up and go, I can get up and go. Yeah. That's heavy. So I want to transition for a second. I want to talk to you about the modeling. Ooh, Lord. Okay. So let's go there. When did that start? Um, let's see. I listen, that's something that was a dream from high school, probably even earlier than that. Okay. And um I started probably in high school doing a little high school fashion shows in Baltimore. And then when I came here for college, um, I tried it again. I had a very horrible experience that I didn't really want to go into. Okay. Um, and then I think when I hit my 30s, I had took time because, you know, when you first get saved, you're zealous and you're like, I'm just going to live for Jesus and just be a missionary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go and preach the gospel all over the world. And it's not like that. Stop. It just took a different face. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Lord. <laughs> yeah. But um, I think that when I um really approached going back into it, I think the biggest thing that God wanted me to make sure is that I didn't wrap my identity around becoming a model. Interesting. Okay. And that it was because I knew he would have the opportunity of using me through it. It was just a tool. Okay. So, okay. Stop. <laughs> Let, let's, let's unpack that for a second. As you know, I produce music mm-hmm. um, and it is very, very easy to think you are those things, especially when you're good at them. Mm-hmm. 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 Like almost like you and the thing being one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How did you get to the place where you like, let me disconnect those two things. That, that was the that was the Holy Ghost. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I had to really um it took so long for me to get back at the dream. And even at this point, I'm on a good good old modeling break at this particular point in time of my life. Okay. It's because I didn't I needed to know well, I the Lord really wanted me to know and understand that I needed to be able to put it on and take it off without feeling away. <sighs> Okay. So when I got into it, like in my 30s, when I first got signed to my first modeling agency, it was great. It went well. But I had to learn about the different dynamics of rejection. (laughs) I had to learn the industry standard of things. There were so many different pieces that I had to learn that it gave me fuel to write a book about modeling, the reality of what that looks like. And then really kind of walk people through what that is, because people go into it and they go into it wrong, wasting time, wasting money. Um, getting involved with horrible photographers or agencies, just getting completely taken advantage of. And I had to really understand what the assignment was before I got into it so that I didn't, um, I knew that when I go into environments that most people, especially people in church, aren't always equipped to handle, 
going into situations where you might see very flamboyant people and some people might get offended at that. Not me. It's just it's what it is. Or in, and being able to be effective at ministering to them at their level. And I have seen God's hand move so great in these spaces and areas all because I allow God to plant me there. And I also allow my identity in him to be so solid and strong as, as a child of God that it gave me the power, the authority and the voice to say it because they see and know. Hey, I know that you are a Christian for real. Thank you for not making me feel like crap, even though you told me the truth. You're going to make me think about coming back to church. Can you pray for me? What does what really is salvation? Because ain't nobody ever explained it to me like you did. And I would have never heard it if, if I wasn't sitting here with you. And that's the tool of it all. That is the tool. We we cannot allow our gifts, talents, abilities, physical appearance even to become the object of our affection. We can't allow it to become the idol because whatever becomes an idol, you conform to. And we're not supposed to be conformed to those. We're supposed to be conformed and transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can reflect Jesus everywhere. And then we are to use those gifts and talents as tools. To give him glory, to preach the gospel, to proclaim liberty to those that are in prison and in captivity. And we have different gifts and talents so that we can be placed in different spaces and places. And I want to actually add this point to it as well. We have to be willing to go places that nobody else has gone before. Because listen, I'm listening to you. Because if we just go on to church, we're going to be mad and frustrated. Let me just go ahead and say it. Let's go. <laughs> church people don't want God. And I'm going to just be honest and be clear here. Most church people don't want God. They want church. That's all they're going to get. You got to be able to be willing to go to the tribe God called you to, to the nation God called you to, to the tongue God called you to, and have the tongue of the learned so that you can be able to go in those spaces and be willing to be stretched beyond your comfortability. God might just have you learn, grow, mature in a ministry, and then he send you out somewhere else. You, I, I'm not trying to be a light to a light. I got to be a light to those that are in darkness. Now, with that being said, leaders should be able to equip people who are in these roles, mature them well, make sure that they are full of the spirit and of the word. So that when they go on these places that the darkness doesn't overwhelm them yes. because they are the only light. Yes. Look, I'm about to go in some gross darkness. You're going to have to teach me how to handle these demonic spirits because I ain't never dealt with this before. Because there's gross darkness. You ain't just dealing with regular darkness nowadays. You're dealing with gross stuff. And we are called to be light in those spaces. We really are. But we, if we allow ourselves to be overcome by who we are and our graces, talents, abilities, then we will be overcome with world dark, gross darkness. We will be. We will be sucked right in and be fit for nothing. Lost. You helping me. It's not easy. It's so difficult to be a creative, a talented individual. And it's easy to want to throw that away because it may not make money in the beginning phases of it. Oh, let's talk about that. It may not get you influence. And as much as we know that only what you do with Christ for will for Christ will last, it's not easy to have to live that out when God is calling that area of your character to be developed, shaped, and formed. Boy, boy, 
Boy. You want to throw it all away. I'm throwing all this away. I don't want to do this anymore. Because it's easy because the focal point, well, my friend over there, they did, they stopped and they are successful and they're going this place and that place. And I tell people, I said, you don't know what they're really dealing with behind the scenes because all you see is what they put up. But you don't know they may be dealing with depression and suicide. Yep. Yep. They may be drinking their sorrows away and having sex with everything running. And you don't even know that because all you see is a lights camera action. They could be struggling just as bad as you are in the world. But because of God's grace on their life, they can't succeed as much as they want to because God didn't call them to mammon. So we have a difficult time for various reasons. One, because the church doesn't know how to handle creatives. They just don't. Slow down. They just don't. And wait. They just call it what it is. <laughs> we have to unpack that too. <laughs> Roger is the way you say it. At the end of the day, I would need to be comfortable with myself more. And because I felt like in order for me to be my true self or in order for me to have a big impact on the world, I need to be with a group of people that I know when that's not the case. I was kind of scared at first because I felt like I was going to miss them. My parents have told me many times that I have gifts and I need to use it. And like people wish they could do what I do. And I was like, mm, I don't want to do that. Since I was really young, I really like to speak and make people feel better in life and it's just something i enjoy hi this is nay and that was nay's place if you want to catch more search nay's place on apple Podcasts, spotify and rxs entertainment youtube channel because most to church people most creative things are demonic <laughs> make it make sense make it make sense we serve the creator of the entire known world seen and unseen and we call everything demonic everything ain't a demon <laughs> satan snatched stuff and made it perverted that's it yeah. it all it, everything originates from the father he yes. is the he is the giver of gifts yes. he is the father of lights yes. So I don't know that we have seen this appropriated the proper way because we take everything and we put a red faced demon on it. Mm. But instead of raising up people who do have this capacity, all right, let me disciple you. Let me get you good and cleaned up. Let me walk with you so you can have stability. Let me get you to the place where you're not a baby tree anymore, but that you're a cedar. Let me get you deeply rooted. You're going to go through some stuff. You're going to go through some hell in a handbag. It's going to come at you on all sides. But let me teach you how to get your roots deep. Let me tell you how to endure every season. Let me show you and teach you and equip you on how to handle this thing and that thing and how to stand. Let's make sure you're standing because I don't want you unstable because I don't want you easily thrown about when these hurricanes of life come up and these storms of life hit. You don't need to be easily uprooted. You need to dig yourself real deep. It need to be hard to uproot you. Like listening to you, man, like listening to you say what you just said. All creatives need someone that can help them in that way. Because it's like most of us grow up in church. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. 
most of us understand that what God has given us is supposed to go beyond the church, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but we're easily shaken because we're not equipped. Mm-hmm. So we're supposed to be in those places. But mm-hmm. like you said, like we're not equipped, but we come from churches where they don't think we should be doing it in the first place. So we mm-hmm. don't have their support. They think, or the other side of that, I want you to do it, but I only want you to do that here. Because I want David to play these demons off of me. (laughs) And David is called to be king. David is the man after God's heart despite all of his dysfunctions because of family things that he inherited, he's the next in line whose line and legacy will never end. We are living that reality through Jesus at this point. So if we're going to be able to equip, Oh, I, Ooh, Jesus, I feel you on this. We have to be willing to raise up and equip others to handle the burden of responsibility that comes to being seen. To having, we're, we are the light of the world. We are cities set on a hill for the world to see. We are a lighthouse. We are the salt of the earth that needs to be exposed, but we need to be able to be trained and equipped to handle that level of exposure mm-hmm. so that our salt doesn't become good for nothing and our light doesn't flicker and grow dim and eventually die out. So to all creators out there, she talking to us because <laughs> there's not many people in ministry and pastoral roles um, in churches that um, encourage us and then tell us what we need. Like hearing you, that is freeing and it helps me to understand what has been going on in my life up until this point. Because I've been like, yo, this is like I said to myself this morning, I'm like, I'm 32 years old and I'm like, things are happening slow because of who I need to be when it happens. Mm -hmm. Like it became very clear to me, like the things that have been going on in my life, the things that I've been learning, the things that I've been adjusting, the things about myself that I've been changing becoming aware of Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. like yeah that's why you don't got it Mm -hmm. because if he would have gave it to you 10 years ago boy wow because my because our father is more committed to our character than he is our career he is than he is anything that we desire to do with our character we can't have look we are kings and priests unto our god And we have to understand the dual duality of who we are as his people so that we know how to go in and out of every situation. Why am I coming at this instead of praying first and asking the father for direction and clarity in his will concerning this? Why am I going about this instead of making sure that I I got the clearance to do the thing that I'm trying to do? Mm. You know, if I'm if I'm going to be a king and a priest. Kings go out and they do what they got to do to handle authority. And so do lawyers, which is a priest. Mm. We got to be able to handle those. And we don't ever get taught that that we are both. It's not either or. It's both. And we don't get a chance to really learn how to grow in that reality. That is what Christ died for to bring us into that. Even as a creative. 
mm-hmm. even as a creative. God wants, I remember probably a couple of months ago where I was, I don't know that I necessarily was frustrated, but the Lord just wanted to provide me comfort to let him know that I, that I am with you. And I want you to know that I'm with you because I need you to show you. And he showed me in a dream vision. I don't know what it was. He was showing me and he literally walked me through my entire life in one moment. It was the most um, unbelievable flash of my life that I've Mm -hmm. ever had in my entire adulthood. Mm -hmm. And I got to see how he formed my character and how he was shaping me. And through all those moments, he said, I know it's been hard and dark. But I want you to see what I've been doing this entire time to bring you to this point, to let you know that this is a divine time and moment and that I'm with you and I have a plan to bring you before great people. And I have a plan to do this thing and I have a plan to do that thing. You, you are my masterpiece. And when I unveil you, it's going to be beautiful and nobody will be able to take you out of the palm of my hand and you being righteous won't easily be moved and you won't be shaken because you are my planting. And I need you to be solid. You got to be solid for what you're going to deal with and what you're going to address and what you're going to pull down and what you're going to tear up and what you're going to plant and what you're going to uproot all of the things that I created you to do in your dual nature. And we have to be aware of that so that we can handle every tool that he gives us well. And we we have a toolbox. He's like, I want to teach you how to do this, this, this and that. Because I know that immediately as a creative, you're going to deal with perversion. You're going to deal with seduction. You're going to deal with false identity. You're going to deal with depression and suicide. All of these things are going to come at you to not only shake you, but to also uproot you from your place and your posture in me. And I can't allow that to happen. So when stuff hits your life, I need you to dig deep with me. So when stuff come at you, I need you to understand my plan. I need you to dig in your word. I need you to be formed in this word. I need you to be more focused on me building my character and my likeness and nature and you than you trying to be famous. Whoa. Facts. Because that's really what the challenge is. The idol of fame and celebrity has gotten so many people in a grip. It is killing purpose in people left and right. Because we want to be famous. We want to be church famous. We want to be fame famous. We want to be celebrities. I want to have all the riches in the world. And we don't ever want to make a decision that says I'm willing to forsake mother, father, sister, and brother to follow you. Because he does promise that whatever you give up for my sake, he is going to give that. Yeah, with persecution, but he's going to give it back to us double so that we can be effective. It's not like we have an uncaring God that we serve an uncaring father, but the enemy will cause us. People will cause us. We ourselves will cause us to believe otherwise. Mm. So when stuff starts going slow because God is concerned about us taking the scenic route, we get angry. Mm. We get big mad. We leave him for a season. Then we come back when we realize the world don't care about us like that. Then we go through these cycles and God's like, I really want to break that. So let's start dealing with these rooted, deeply rooted issues as to why you think that you need that or why you want that when you feel like this or you feel like that or you feel rejected or you feel abandoned because of this, this, this and that. Or you're feeling away because you had an idea of what your will was, but my will was higher. So you're still too low. I'm trying to bring you up. Because I'm concerned about lasting legacy and you're just concerned about the moment. Mm-hmm. That's a vapor. Yeah, we it, just want to be famous now. Like, yeah. That's it. Because we are convinced that 
What is happening in this world is going to last longer than what God has ordained to happen. Mm. Heaven and earth will fade away, but his word is going to remain and, and he is going to be the constant remaining factor of all of it. And that is the thing that we need to be focused on. We, As much as we hear that we should be building treasures in heaven where thief can't take it, where moth can't eat it up, where rust can't take it, and we can't destroy it, we don't really make that a focal point in a reality because we are inundated by what we see. Facts. That's blinding us. It is killing and we want us. It bad. And we want it so bad. And the enemy ain't got to do nothing but put put some glitter on it, some gold on it, and make it shine, and we consume it. And we eat it up. And we lose sight of the Father because we become blind. Hmm. And we become deaf. And God has to do so much to break through that. So we don't long no longer of dull of hearing. We're no longer blind and we can see and hear again. And then we can look at the state that we're in, repent, turn, get that fat up off of us so we can be fit for service. Yeah. And that's the struggle. I don't want you to be, I want you to be effective. I don't, I'm not concerned about you being famous. I am going to make your name great, but my way of making your name great does not have the same look that you wanted to have. Whoa. It's like you, it's like, it's like you talking to me. Like you stepping on my toes so bad. <laughs> we just got this. We have this really. It's not necessarily our fault per se. It's the world that we live in. And it's so important that we do what Colossians tells us. We need to fix our eyes on things above and not on things of the earth. Yeah. We need to set our minds on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the father. And for some reason, we are losing sight of Jesus. And the Father's desire and design for us as his people is what we're doing producing the image of the kingdom of God in the earth. Is what we're doing and who we reach transforming our lives with a turning from sin and wickedness to the Father. Are we saving souls through the mediums that God has given us? Are people being drawn out of debauchery? Are we sharing the hard testimonies, the nasty parts that's letting them know that I'm, I know what you're going through, and here's what I have to share with you concerning that scenario. Mm. Are we telling the truth? Are we sharing the hard parts about being a creative? The real nitty-gritty tough stuff that most people think it just looks so good and you got it together. No, I don't. Are we being open to be people praying for us? Mm. Are we open to counsel even if it's hard and it hurts? Are we open to, I need to go and have a Sabbath and shut all this down for a season, even if that means that I sacrifice my followers, I sacrifice my presence on social media? Am I willing to put this to the side to seek the Father? Because He might tell me to throw it all away and do something new. That is the cost. It's the cost of being a disciple of Jesus. And it's the cost of being willing to lay a life down so that somebody else can be saved. Because we should be used in any way, shape, or form. And we should be willing to be And we should be willing. If we're not willing, then we need to get back to the basics. Maybe we never fell in love with him in the first place. 
I remember that was the number one thing when I first got saved at 19. I I said, Lord, if you teach me how to love you and you love me in return, then I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I'll go wherever you send me. I'll do whatever you need me to do because my life was a complete and entire train wreck. And what you have to offer me has to be better than this. Were you in Baltimore? This is when I was here in college. Okay. So, obviously, you grew up in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um, you were born there? hmm How old were you when you got to North Carolina? I was 17 or 18. So, from the time you were born until the time you got to North Carolina, what was going on? Ooh, didn't think I was going to have to talk about this part. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Um I grew up in a single parent home. Mother um, or father? Mother. Grew up with my mother and my um, two other siblings in a single parent home. It was a lot. I will say that much. Um, we experienced a lot. We were very poor, and I don't even know if I could even s- describe the level of it. Um, in a very dangerous neighborhood. In Baltimore. In Baltimore. So, so much of the warfare and things that you see happening was there it just amplified if if i could even say that it just even worse than it was then it was horrible then um moved a lot saw a lot of men in and out of our lives um experienced a lot of abuses of different types that i don't feel like getting into because i don't have enough time i got you um and i knew that i need to get out of here (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, my mother did the best she could to raise us to not be a product of living in a inner city environment. Okay. Um, and going through a lot of friction in my relationship with her, God rest her soul. Um, and I knew that what, when I met Jesus through a friend, when she explained the love of God to me, cause that was my first time really hearing the gospel in real life, believe it or not. Um, and really being introduced to the Lord and the Lord himself really physically revealing himself to me. Ooh, man. That is what changed my life because he made himself known and very much real to me. So did you pray for that? No, it was it really what it really took was a year of a really good friend of mine named Nikki revealing God's love to me to a very broken person who didn't know what love was at all. I knew abuse. I knew being pushed away and rejected, but I had no idea what love was, the raw reality of it. Now I had family members that were very loving. Shout out to my aunt. Um, but to have another individual show me and embody Christ in that way, where I push it away. I ain't going to lie. When she first came at me, I was like, something wrong with you. You are weird. Um, so I didn't even want to embrace it, but it was that love that drew me. The Lord literally drew me to himself through his love and kindness through her. I love you, Kira, and so does Jesus. She told me every time she saw me. Whoa. I love you, Kira, and so does Jesus. And that began to to tear down the hardened hurt shell that started to open up my heart to God's reality. So when I started being open to it, that's when the Lord began to reveal to me, hey, remember when you were this kid and you had these in- encounters because I used to have a lot of good and bad demonic and spiritual encounters growing up. 
Um, and the Lord had to preserve that part. So when I met him, it was like, all right, I know you real because I didn't ask for this and you revealed yourself to me because I needed it. Mm. So him revealing himself to me in that raw state, Jesus still does that, guys. Mm. Um, that is what changed my life and convinced me of who he really was. Mm. So I made a commitment because of what he did. He began to love me. And he began to deliver me various, <laughs> Lord, that I had a lot of deliverance sessions. Mm. Um, but I had so much damage and I had so many violations that the Lord had to really uproot that so that he can be present and he could be seated. And I remember how much work it took. And I remember the very first time I really felt the raw presence of God, I was convinced. Because <laughs> I had never encountered or experienced anything like that. And I just became a, an immediate lover. That even when I went through persecution for my family, which was weird, um, even levels of disownment, it's Israel. I'm just being honest. It's the truth. Um, even when I went through when the Lord was speaking, I was called crazy and all types of things. I said, Lord, I'm still going to serve you. Mm. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to do what you ask, no matter what, even in this. Even when I went through persecution on my campus. <laughs> really? I still committed myself to serving the Lord. Wow. This is why my this is why I have the stance that I have when it comes to him. It's very clear now. Thank you for sharing your story, man. Yeah. Cause it's like to hear that, it made it all make sense. Because so many people get inundated with church, but they don't have an encounter with the true and living God. That wasn't my testimony. Now, my aunt did a heck of a job praying and interceding and covering to this point. Like, she's still number one intercessor. Um, she covered us a lot growing up from a lot of danger. And I literally mean that. Like, for real danger. Real life danger. Like, literally, I know it was her prayers that kept and protected us from being killed and murdered. Not even exaggerating. I know you're not. So um, when God did that and, and when I encountered him, he began to reveal stuff that only he would know and show me <laughs> even through others that I knew for a sure fact that the Lord was covering and keeping and protecting that he was a saving God. Wow. This is why it's important as a creative. You have to share your testimony, even the ugly parts, the nasty part, the filthy parts, all of it. Because yes. that's the only thing that's going to win the loss. You might not win them all, obviously, but if you at least get the one, you have everything. This is what we're doing this for. It's not about our own vain glory. It's not about our selfish ambitions. It's not about our desires. It's not about our names being in lights. It's about the name of Jesus being lifted. And we have to love him at all costs. And that is not easy. That's not easy in church. Especially. But we have to be willing. We got to be. You got to be a lover of God that no matter what he asks you to do, you're going to do it. No matter what he asks you to say, you're going to say it. No matter where he tells you to go, you're going to go. No matter what he tells you to do, you're going to do it because you love him. That is our responsibility and our response to him. You love me. I respond to your love by giving you over my life because you gave your life over for mine. Mm. And that's if I have to remind you of that. This is the most important part. Creatives, please don't lose this point. 
love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And in return, you got to love others as you love yourself. And if you don't love yourself, then let the love of God dig deep. Maybe you're afraid. Maybe you are afraid to allow him to love you. Because you've heard something different from the reality of who he really is. Maybe you've gotten church Jesus, but you've not got the real one. Maybe you've gotten a church Messiah that's only making you fit to do service in church, but never you've never been been acquainted with or introduced to the real reality of who he really is. And he is real. And he changes your life from the inside out. I'm telling you, I am 41. <laughs> I've been serving the Lord since I was 19 years old. I've been able to serve the Lord, do missions here and abroad. And I'm telling you, it, the world looks differently when you do it his way. Don't think small. Don't think selfishly. Let's just be clear. Every gift, talent, and capacity and ability he wants to use to do so many great things. But it's got to be the way that he wants it done. And you got to get rid of the, the idol. Get rid of the idolatry of fame and success. Get rid of the idolatry. Get rid of the idol of mammon. That is killing you. It is warping your personality. It is warping your, your pursuit. It is warping everything. Because you're not pursuing him. You're pursuing money. You're pursuing success. You're pursuing fame. And you're replacing that with him. And you're going to always be frustrated. Hmm. You're going to always be mad. You're going to always be angry. You're going to always feel like you're walking in a circle with no end. You got to do it his way. Hmm doesn't mean you're going to have everything that this world is going to offer, but God will allow you to be successful. He's not going to allow his people who give themselves over to his desire, plan and will without seeing his success, without seeing great things. But you've got to do it his way. And keep his word in the forefront of your mind and obey it at all costs. That ain't going to be easy to do. God placed you in a in a position where you are able to, to minister or go in places that are really dark and heavy. You got to be able to stand. You can't be moved. Somebody writes you a contract out for millions of dollars. If God say no, you got to be willing to say, I can't take that and accept it. It's too many people falling for that. Don't, don't go. <laughs> Please don't drink the Kool-Aid. Don't fall for the okie doke. Ask God what success looks like for you as it relates to him, not what we want him to do. We don't live for ourselves. This body that we are in is not ours. This life that we have right now is not ours. This, this, this time and this moment that we have is not ours. It's his. It's always going to be his. It's not going to be another. But you got to be convinced of your own salvation and you have to be a lover. If I can't encourage you to do nothing else, be a passionate lover of Jesus. Please. It is important. It's the only way you're going to get his information and know what he wants you to do from one moment to the next. And it's the only way that you're going to have success that way that he designed it to be. It ain't easy. It's not easy. I model. I see a lot of stuff. I hear a lot of things. I'm telling you, even the most successful people go through some crazy, unbelievable things. 
But I have to give over my life and my dreams and my goals and my desire, my husband, my children, my legacy. All of it has to be traded over his. It has to be. And I encourage you, man. Some of y'all probably got to go back to the basics. <laughs> Can't believe that I'm back to the basics. <laughs> get out them trees. Get out them clouds. Get back to the root. Let him produce that fruit that's going to last and remain because that's the only thing that he wants more than anything. He want to fill heaven up, definitely. But he wants his legacy to be established well in the earth. So ain't nobody got an excuse for nothing because everything that we have used and that we've been willing for him to use in and through our life will be able to proclaim his good news no matter where. And that way, nobody will have an excuse and say, I ain't heard because that would be a lie. Mm. So be a you get safe <laughs> leader. If I could tell you, leader of creatives, please allow the Lord to minister to you. Please allow the Lord to heal and recover you. Please go back and minister to the to the Lord and the Word and prayer. Go back and fall in love with the Savior again, because it's going to change the trajectory of how you do. The ministry anyway. And what if God just wants you to change the script in general? What if God just wants you to throw it all away and start with a new script, with a new group of people to do a new work and a new thing? Because it's apparent the traditional way ain't working. And you got to be open to the new. If you got creatives in your in your ministry, in your business, please stop siphoning them for your own selfish gain. Give them grace to move with you. And then you'll see the fruit that you're desiring to see. You will. All it, It's got to be about Jesus, though. It's got to be about the kingdom of God. It's got to be about the Father's desire. Because we ain't got a lot of time. And that's the bottom line. We don't have a lot of time to waste. Thank you. This has been another episode of the RXS Podcast with Kira Young. We out. Peace.